You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. Today's scripture reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. For everything, there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to tear, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. Well, thank you, David. Let's pray and turn our attention to reflect on this passage. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We know it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We now pray, Father, that you would make my words an accurate reflection of your word. And that as we reflect on this word and even meditate, our thoughts would be pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Through this passage, Father, help us to see and know your Son, Jesus Christ, and fall more in love with him, giving more loyalty to him, even this week. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. 86,400. 86,400. 
400. 1,440, 24 hours. 86,400 seconds in a day, 1,440 minutes, 24 hours. You can't save them. There's no rollover program. They have to be spent, and they must be spent wisely. Some days are frenetic. Other days move so slow, each second feels like a taste of eternity. And no matter how long the day or short the day, everyone as they age agree. By the end of life, we say, there may have been long days, but the years blitz by. Culture has no shortage of time management experts giving you wisdom on how to use those seconds and minutes and hours. There's a whole series of bestsellers. It seems to be one of the easiest ways to get on the bestseller list is to offer some new time management strategy. This passage we're looking at is all about time management. The preacher is wrestling through the issue of time. You may remember the preacher, the, uh, the person who is speaking in this book, who we're told is Solomon, David's son. He's the wisest man to live on this earth, and he is trying to tell us about his quest to find the advantage he wants in life. He's on a quest to figure life out, to develop some kind of life hack so that he has an advantage and a way forward. And for the past two weeks, what have we learned? That life is vanity. It's like a vapor, a puff of smoke. You grab it and it goes right through your fingers. This is what the preacher has learned. And he wants to show us how he has learned it. He now turns his attention to time. And he says, what do we gain from the ways in which we use our time? He seems to hit a nerve. For every new book there is about time management, there's some new artist, our cultural song dealing with time. In fact, this passage, I'm sure you've heard it sung. Uh, the birds covered a, a Pete Seeger version of it uh, back in the 60s. What's Solomon's conclusion about time? Well, in some ways, he sides with the time management experts, but in most ways, he sides with the artists and the musicians. Time just can't be managed. It is a myth. And in this passage, the preacher is going to argue that humans, that we just can't manage time. To manage our time is to chase the wind, to herd cats. But in this frustrating experience of wanting to manage our time, the preacher is going to tell us that as we try to manage our time, we should be led to a position not of despair, but of sincere childlike delight in our Creator. The preacher is going to give us an observation about time management. Then he's going to give us an affirmation about time management. And finally, an application about time management. And that's where I want to go this morning. An observation about time management, an affirmation about time management, and an application. So what is the observation the preacher makes about time management? Well, we see it in verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for everything under heaven. What does the preacher mean? Well, he's arguing that there's a certain ordering and pattern to time. Verse 2 through 8 picks up this point using a poem to illustrate it. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up. The poem's point is to remind us that from cradle to grave, all of life's experiences have a certain fit to them. 
There's a, a proper way in which they are ordered and, and properly managed. There's a grand schedule and everything happens right on time. During COVID, being stuck working from home with uh, con- only <laughs> myself to blame, I dealt with wasting time. And I was introduced to the whole bulleting journal idea and the whole cult behind it. And I actually quite benefited from bulleting jour- bullet journals. I learned about time blocks, ways in which you command uh, your time. You tell your time how you are going to use it throughout the day and throughout the week. And it felt so good to do these time blocks. It felt as though this was the right thing to do. It should work. But every day it seemed like there was a phone call, some interruption, a child that had a need, internet not working. Nothing ever seemed to work out as they were properly blocked. And I became anxious every day about the present, trying to complete my time blocks and hating of the future, knowing I was going to be behind. The preacher is telling us and giving us godly wisdom as it relates to something like time blocks. Yeah, they may have their, pl- they may have their place in your life. But what the preacher wants us to know is that there is somebody who is time blocking everything we experience in this world. From beginning to end of life, everything is ordered and structured by seasons, by time blocks. How much control, though, do you have of those time blocks? How much control do you ha- did you have of the day you were born? Did you put in a request? Did you make room for it? How about the day in which you'll die? We try so hard to convince ourselves we are in control, but Solomon is saying this. Godly wisdom, as it relates to time, starts with realizing God is the one who manages time. Time is on his bullet journal. It follows his time blocks. This is the observation the preacher gives us. God is the one with the determined and comprehensive schedule. And all events under under heaven happen in his hands. And even when human beings play part, a part in it, a time to be silent, a time to speak, it's ultimately his sovereign control over time, which makes an impact on our world. In many ways, he acts, and we are nothing more than dancers responding to our partner's movement. This is the preacher's observation. There are seasons for everything, patterns, time blocks for everything. They're just not controlled by us. Life is not some sort of raw continuum. There is a movement to it, urgent, slow, furious, calm, busy, restful. All of this, though, is under the controlling eye of the sovereign God who stands over his creation. Sounds fatalistic, doesn't it? Sounds like the preacher wants us to believe that humans are puppets under God's sovereign will. So why try? Why not give up? Why do good? Well, if that's what you're thinking, that's exactly where the preacher wants you to be. Look what he says in verse 9. What gain does a worker gain from all their toil? This is a question birthed out of frustration. If everything follows a time block, if there is someone who's sovereign and in charge, then what's the point of working? This is where the preacher makes an affirmation about time management. He says, in the midst of the busyness and the toil that he witnesses, verse 11, he realizes God has made everything beautiful in its time. This is Solomon's affirmation. He is confessing this not by empirical, verifiable data, but by faith. In the next verse, he makes this clear because he says, God has put eternity into our hearts 
so that we can't figure out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is Solomon's affirmation. God makes the pieces fit beautifully, and he gives us a sense of the big picture in our heart. We have eternity in our heart, but we cannot fully understand that which we sense. The preacher is saying this is wisdom. This is godly wisdom. God will have his way. You will think you understand some of it, but you are more clueless than you understand. Yesterday, I was visiting with friends, and I was stuck in traffic with a car full of kids. The DVP was closed. We were standing still. And what do I do? I have the GPS in front of me. It tells me to stick with the traffic, though it's red, to stay there. But what do I want to do? I want to get off the highway. I want to go down side streets. I think I know better. I understand what is going on. But the older I get the more I realize I just have to sit in the traffic. There's no getting around it. I will only make matters worse. And this is the frustrating experience Solomon is saying, the preacher is saying, that we have. We have to trust the GPS, that there are seasons for all things. God has made everything fit together beautifully. Even when we think we can understand or see things, we are stuck in the traffic moving along. We get glimpses We think we know better. We get frustrated. It drives us mad. But what the preacher wants us to join him in saying is that God makes all things fit together beautiful. God knows how to order events better than we do. There are reasons things happen, the preacher is saying. But he's saying, you little puny human being, you will never understand why God orders things the way he does. This is what the wise woman, the wise man affirms by faith that somehow God is big enough to make all the pieces fit together. This is not to say that the spiritual person, the wise person doesn't cry in the face of the death of a loved one or the loss of a relationship, that the spiritual person doesn't cry and weep and wail in the midst of infertility or the spiritual person doesn't stay silent somehow during injustice. No, cry weep, but know that even your tears are part of the process, part of what a transcendent God who who is doing, part of the ways in which he is fitting everything together beautifully. Even your pain is part of how things will ultimately be worked out as beautiful in the end. You see, if at its core, our human problem, this thing we call sin, is this idea that we do not trust that God is watching out for our best interests, that he's capable of giving us good in this world, even when there are seasons of pain and tears. This is the affirmation that the preacher wants us to understand about time management. God, and only God, has a plan, and he makes things fit beautifully. But his ways are so much greater than ours. Our brain circuits would fry if we had a glimpse of all the reasonings for which he allows all that takes place and orders all that takes place. But by faith, we join the preacher in saying God will make things fit beautifully in their time, even if it includes seasons of extreme pain. Now let's look at the application for time management that the preacher gives us. We see this in these I perceive statements in verse 12 and 14. What are they? Well, listen closely to these words of wisdom from God's word. Verse 12, I perceive there's nothing better 
then to be joyful and do good as long as you live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is a gift from God. Verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God has done it so that people fear him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. God seeks what has been driven away. This is the preacher's application. Since life goes by so quickly, since God is so different and it's his time blocks that matter, don't be terrified. Don't live a morose life. Don't be so incredibly serious that you miss seasons of joy. If God is ultimately in control, then work and take joy in the delights that life gives you. This is what wisdom has brought to the preacher. Take joy today. Slow down. Take it all in. It's going to be gone in a flash. Even seasons of suffering, they are just seasons. They won't be here forever. Your tears will dry up. Seasons of joy will come. And don't feel anxious about them, wondering whether or not you should delight in them. Enjoy the present. Do good. Live in fear of God. Don't take yourself too seriously, but also don't downplay the way in which God works through your work. Acknowledge that life is a flash. But in the midst of knowing that life is a flash, it's a flash in the world of a sovereign God who reigns over time. So take delight in today. In conclusion, let me ask, is the preacher just telling us to adapt some form of positive thinking? And I think the answer to that ultimately has to be no. He is telling the reader in his pursuit to find wisdom. He knows that God fits things together, and he is probably reflecting on past events in Israel's history, maybe when they were brought down to Egypt, rescued from a famine, all to be put into slavery. And then God delivered them from slavery and brought them into the land, the land flowing with milk and honey. This God's plan is mysterious. Why did it include this season of slavery? But it did. And the preacher is realizing that that same God who worked out his plan that way is at work in the world today. And what the preacher only knew in shadow, we now know with extreme clarity. The God who permitted his people to be enslaved in bondage in Egypt so that he might rescue them, used his power over time to insert himself into the story of this world. The creator became part of the creation. He sent his son some 2,000 years ago to take on a real human flesh and body, a real human mind. And in Jesus, we see someone wrestling through the mysteries and even the frustrations and limitations of being in a time-constraint body. And yet Jesus, though he knows death is coming his way, though he prays and says, Lord, may this cup pass, it's something that he is not looking forward to. He fears the Father and trusts the Father to the very end, even to death, even to death on a cross. And by his death, he begins to unwind and undo all the consequences 
of our failure to trust that God is in control and that he is working out his plan for the good. He absorbs all those consequences to himself and charts a new way forward for his people where forgiveness can be found and hope and new life. And because we know the cross and resurrection are the center of the story, we can say that we know God makes all things fit together beautifully. So what does this mean today? Well, to you who can't sleep because you worry about the future, to you who can't spend money because you feel guilty, to you who can't enjoy a good meal because you wonder if you should be doing something more productive, to you who long for control over your family, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, to you who feel like sorrow will never go away. God is working now. He's working out his plan perfectly. Listen, our God is creating the most glorious mosaic even right now. And though you might feel like crushed stone, previously beautiful and whole stone that has been crushed down to the smallest pieces, let me assure you that he is placing you in just the right spot in his plan. And he is making something beautiful. 86,400 seconds, 1,440 minutes, 24 hours. Don't waste them. The way we offer up worship to our God is in the face of knowing that God's plans are so different from any of our ability to comprehend. We trust and delight in the present. And when we do that, we offer up worship to our God for he will make all things fit together beautifully. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at christchurchtoronto.ca or email us at info at christchurchtoronto.ca.